0: This is Modern Woman. Find us at modernwoman.co for further info. My guest today is the founder of the marketing and PR agency Design & Build UK and a strong advocate for women's empowerment in the construction industry. You may recognise Michaela Wayne from the BBC's television series The Apprentice, where she made it to the final, which subsequently paved the way for her media profile and opened the doors to receiving funding for her business. Michaela is a mother of two and incredibly keen to inspire the next generation and I'm speaking with her today to hear her story firsthand and how she plans to make a difference for women's rights and gender equality in the construction industry. It's lovely to be speaking with you Michaela. Yes, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. So tell us, what was your background before entering
1: into construction? Well, I, I was at university actually studying religion and then, yeah, I, I just I fell into construction by accident. So I took a year out right from university and, and got a job working for a magazine selling advertising and it progressed from there.
0: Um, why particularly construction? I mean, I did notice that obviously design and build is obviously marketing and PR, but why specifically did you choose construction?
1: Well, to be honest with you, when I took this year out from university, I, I was only 19 going on 20 and uh, I'd moved back into my dad's house and he said if I didn't get a job, he was going to kick me out. So the, the recruitment agencies that I went to basically had Greg's Pasties, which would have meant me standing in the town centre with a hernet in, which I went up for, or selling apples advertising for a construction magazine so it was purely by accident I started at this company and um, saw the money that I could earn basically from selling and it just progressed from there after maybe five years of doing this for different businesses I'd hit a glass ceiling so went on to start my own business and obviously I was in construction it's what I knew and then since then I've invested in other construction companies and and grown my business portfolio so it, it was really it was really an accident. I'd love to say I've always dreamt of um, being a construction marketing person, but I've not. <laughs> and did you always want to be in business? T- two things. To be honest, I'm a bit of a liability, so there's no... I just couldn't work for other people. I've just... I'm just too much hard work I like to do things my way and, and I struggle with authority I guess so I think it was inevitable that it was going to happen at some point but I did hit a glass ceiling and just when I was pregnant with my first son um, basically I turned somebody's business around they was doing around 60 grand a year turnover and um, I came in recruited people trained them and by the time I would finished there was about a million turnover and then they wanted a sales manager so naturally I thought I should have got the job and the director specifically told me that he wanted an older man which obviously made no sense Um, but I was pregnant so I stuck around I ended up having to train the sales manager when he came in and um, yeah it was just all a bit of a nightmare so when I had my son he was about four months old and I I was working daft hours I'd gone back to work when he was two weeks old because his dad was unemployed and I just thought you know what, I can do this myself. If I did it for somebody else, I can do it myself. So I just um cracked on at 25 and four months old. <laughs> wow, that's
0: amazing. So I mean there must have been some challenges along the way.
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's not been easy because I I just didn't have a clue to be honest. I I was from a very Modest background, to say the least. I mean, I'm one of five and um, we lived in a three-bed semi. My mum worked several jobs, you know, the typical kind of dragged up upbringing. So there was nobody around me in business um, and nobody in my circle. Like, I, I just didn't have anybody to turn to for advice. So when it came to accounts, HR, operations, any of that, I just didn't know any of it. I just knew how to sell and I knew how to produce magazines. And so there was a lot of learning on the job. A couple of years in, I actually lost my first company because I just didn't, I didn't know what I was doing. I I appointed a terrible accountant and things just went from bad to worse. Um, Luckily, the, the only people I ended up all we money to was HM, HMRC, but it was a serious amount. So um I just finished paying it off actually a year ago. So I was buzzing with that. But yeah, I had to send it under and then and then start again from scratch. So I guess as the old saying goes, I failed my way to success.
0: Yeah sometimes that's the best way though. I think that and when you've had a path like that, you think oh it would have been so much easier had I had someone who was you know a role model or like a parent that would have you know, been in business already. Do you feel like you've had so much more life experience by taking this path as opposed to going into sort of more formal education?
1: Yeah, I just feel like it's really um solidified in my own mind that I am an entrepreneur and I'm meant to be in business because I've started several companies now, but at that point I'd started one, lost it, and then managed to start one again and successfully grew that to, to a much better position than the first one. And then I've gone on to invest and, and start. Startups, up several more companies so it really just gave me the confidence to know that actually I do know what I'm doing and I, I honestly feel like if I lost everything tomorrow within 18 months then I'd be all back again because it's just in my DNA I think so it, it was good to know that I don't think you can learn the stuff that I learned at university or at college mm-hmm. or even off anybody else I think you, you have to kind of go through it.
0: Yeah, I absolutely agree. So let's move on to your first song choice, which is "Teenage Dirtbag" by Wheatus. Tell us about this one.
1: <laughs> well, I was a bit of a teenage dirtbag. Um, it just <laughs> reminded—it it, was—it was out around the time when I was a teenager, anyway. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was really, really rough. Honestly, I was like a proper scally or tony or whatever you refer to them as you are from so i used to wear like tracksuit bottoms i didn't wear a dress till i was 19 um so i was always like in trackies with lots of sovereigns on my fingers and just bouncing about like i was uh, queen of sheba so yeah looking back i was probably a bit of a teenager bag her name is no-
0: So you were the finalist on series 13 of BBC's The Apprentice. Tell us about that experience.
1: Yeah, it was amazing. I feel confused, to be honest. I hear so many people who I went through the show with or have been on previous, you know, previous series who, who call it and say their experience wasn't great in the morning and complaining. But for me, I really loved it. It was, I, I'd suffered really bad from maybe the age of, Well, from a really young girl with panic attacks and from around 23, I had the the worst social anxiety. Um, Like I didn't leave my house at one point for six months. It was horrendous. Um, But after I had my son, it had all calmed down a little bit, but I'd go through peaks and troughs with it. And I could feel around this time when I applied for The Apprentice, I could feel this social anxiety creeping back. My brother had been on Love Island and had done really well and loved it. And it just looked like a great experience being on TV. So I thought, do you know what? It'll be great for exposure. I might have a good time. And if I can get through that, hopefully it will cure this social anxiety. Um, so I, I never really thought I was going to win. I actually said to my mum, "Oh, well, imagine if I'm on telly for four weeks. And um as it turned out, I did I did I did quite well. Maybe my attitude towards it was a bit different to other people's, so it helped me um, get through it and, and be quite successful on it. Um, so yeah, it was an amazing experience, and I've I've never had a panic attack since going on there. So it, my theory actually worked. Mm, that's amazing um, do you
0: think it's because you faced the anxieties head on whilst you were going for the apprentice and
1: you was able to look at things in a different perspective yeah I think it gives you like ammunition in your armoury if I've said that right so now whenever I feel the, these nerves creeping up you, you know I'm, I'm, the, the anxiety coming in I just think there is really nothing worse than sitting in a boardroom with Karen and Claude and Lord Sugar while they tell you a new one over, like not picking up dog poo or or something whatever whatever it might have been that week and i think if, if i know now if i got through that full process then i can go and speak on stage or just simple things like i can go to the shop so um, yeah it's it, it helped me like it really 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 changed my life
0: how would you say the apprentice has supported your career going forward i know you mentioned about you received funding for your business
1: Yeah, that's right. So to be honest, it was a bit of a hindrance at first because, well, recording it, I was away for 12 weeks. So by the time I come out of The Apprentice um, filming it, then... Things was a bit of a mess anyway, because I hadn't been there for three months. So it took me a while to pick things back up. And then when it's on TV, you just can't go anywhere or do anything. And speaking to clients, I didn't know whether they wanted to talk to me about Lord sugar or if they actually wanted to talk to me about business. So for the first year, it was just real mayhem and chaos but I did get several offers of um, investment off the back of it and then ended up securing one of them and, and launched that business and um, I actually met my partner on The Apprentice he, he was on it too and we went on to to have our son together so um we had we had a real busy time and at the beginning because of the pregnancy and just the, the chaotic nature of tv then things struggled but since then once it's calmed down it does give you a platform um and so people are just familiar with you so it's a lot easier to make connections because people feel like they already know you on a level um and so they trust you so since then maybe after the first 12 months yeah it, it's helped um It's helped and it's been great.
0: And can I ask, how do you deal? Because you see this with Love Island and other uh, reality TV programmes that people do struggle. And how would you say you got through that and managed that stardom almost in TV?
1: So I always knew, you, the thing is, when the tea, when it's on TV, your life's mad in a really great way. You're getting invited to all kinds of events. You're getting paid to show up at places. And, you know, it's loads and loads of fun. But I did have, again, this social anxiety thing. It, it was still, I didn't know which way that was going to go at the time. So I spent a lot of time. With Harrison, this is where the relationship started, I guess, when the TV show was on, and it, it made it easier for for me because I was with him and we went through it together. And we always knew that the crash was going to come. You know, it, it's a reality TV show; nobody occurs after really the TV program's finished. You might get three months after that, and we we always knew that I think where other people struggle is they think that's the life forever so they think they're always going to go to the parties and you know be this celebrity or famous per- person in the public eye and they're not just really in touch with reality and they struggle more with the crash so I was completely fine because I knew it was coming so I was just like right let's live this up have the best time ever while it's on and then crack on with business after it's finished And um, so, yeah, I, I was completely fine. I got trolled and all that. But, again, my brother had been on Love Island, X on the beach, caught trapey. He had his own TV show at one point. So I'd seen everything that he'd gone through anyway on, on a much bigger and worse scale than me. So I, w- I was fully prepared for that mentally. And I just, I, you know, I just think, God, you must be really, really bored if you're going to take time out of your day to come and tweet me about what I should be doing with my life. <laughs> so it just never, never bothered me. I just genuinely thought people weren't wired up straight if they took the time to do that
0: so let's move on to your second song choice which is Material Girl by
1: Madonna why does this resonate with you well um I actually remember dancing around my living room with my mum when I was a little girl to Material Girl so I'd always liked it but I feel like when I was first starting out in business or even when I was working for somebody else from kind of 20 to 27 I was quite selfish to be honest and earning a lot of money and I was rolling about in a brand new Range Rover with a little chihuahua in a bag and all that. that, What you'd expect a girl with money to look like was me. And I absolutely loved it. And I was going on fancy holidays and just blowing my money. Um, And I had a really, really great time. So I feel like that was a period of my time where I was quite selfish and um, somewhat of a material girl.
0: build UK in 2010
1: what was your vision back then it was just to to have some kind of financial freedom and be able to spend more time with my son I was told at a young age that um it'd be unlikely that I'd ever have children so when he came along it was it was a bit of a miracle Um, so I wanted to make sure that I was spending enough time with them and enjoying being a mum. So it was more, to be honest, of a lifestyle business. Um, but it's it just successful in business and you start learning more, then you start striving for more. And, yeah, I progressed from there. But, yeah, really, I just wanted financial freedom and, and more time on my hands. And would you say you've achieved that? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I've definitely achieved that. You know, there's sometimes I'm sitting in my house and I'm like, oh, my God, like i bought this by myself. You know, nobody can come and take my home away from me or my car. Nobody can knock on my door and repossess something or kick me out of anything. I own everything that I've got. So I, I still sometimes feel not overwhelmed don't, maybe it's just a sense of pride of, of what I've achieved to be honest it's you know in all businesses that this is a hard time and it, again there's, there's peaks and troughs with it but um, I, I, I've done well and I've invested my money wisely over the years so I'm quite um, set up now and, and my children will hopefully be set up for life as well.
0: What would you say has been your biggest challenge over the years and how have you overcome that?
1: Do you know what? It's probably more on a personal level. I, I lost a lot of friends when I when I started my business. Not not immediately. Everybody's buzzing for you at the start because I think they don't think you're going to make it work. Um, or, or I, maybe not even that. But people are supportive. But as time goes on and I started earning money and and buying nice things and going on nice holidays, I've never been one to splash it all over social media or. You know, I'm not going to start showing you my holiday snaps or bore you with it, but I think I don't know it. My mum says people are jealous, and I don't know if it's just been, yeah, a bit of jealousy or people perceive you differently. It's I, I don't feel like I've changed at all from how I was really as a teenage dipbag to right now, other than you know I, I don't wear trackies all the time, although I do it a minute. Um, but I think people perceive me in a different manner to you. I used to have a BMW i8. It was this real, like, flash car. and um, But I just liked fast cars. I didn't get it to be, like, a dick. I just wanted it. I was getting that. And I didn't really care what people thought. But I guess people just look at you in a different light. So I lost a lot of friends. And, and, th- and that's been the most difficult thing for me because um it's just upsetting, you know. I, I thought I had lifetime friends and, and then you don't. But I think it's just... It's just what happens when you become successful and you, you know, you get a, a new circle around you and and so on and so forth.
0: And would you say, have you made a lot of your money through Design and Build UK, your, this company, or is it from multiple ventures that you've done over the years? Yeah, Design
1: and Build is, is always been my kind of bread and butter and the stability and the guarantee right now at the moment i'm not taking anything from it because of the pandemic it's been a real killer so i'm just making sure that i can keep all my staff in the job and um, we, we've we've kind of got past the curve in that though so it, it is starting to pick up again and um, but if it wasn't for this pandemic then yes that would be my bread and butter but um another one of my businesses vantage utility connections um that does that does really really well i think we, we was on track to turn over 4 million this year. I don't think we're gonna quite make it again because of the pause with the pandemic. But yeah, that, that's going from strength to strength. And I imagine within the next two years that'll be giving me more money than than design and build. will. It's, it's on a faster growth um, trajectory than, than what design and build is.
0: You do a lot of work for women in construction and you're currently working on a project for gender equality in the industry. Can you sh- share more about this?
1: Yeah so um, after the exposure of The Apprentice then I was astounded it was thrust upon me that I was a woman in construction in all honesty which I know sounds ridiculous but I never I never realized I was a woman in construction not meaning I thought I was a man I just didn't know it was a thing and after The Apprentice I got literally tens of thousands of emails inboxes dms phone calls if people managed to get my number of women asking either saying like oh well done for representing women in construction or how did you overcome this challenge have you ever faced this what's happened then and um, it really shone a light on the issues within the industry that I that I definitely wasn't aware of before I think when you're an entrepreneur you're you're somewhat selfish as well um, and so I never really looked to greater society or even within the industry and thought what, what can I do differently I was just cracking on and making money and when this was kind of put on me, I thought, oh, my God, you know what, I really need to do something with the platform I've got. So I was going out doing a lot of public speaking and um, going into schools, public speaking, going into companies and large corporations and training them on how to attract and attract more women. And um, it just really gained traction over the last three years. Um, and I was asked to be an ambassador for women in construction with the National Federation of Builders. Which I did um, should have been speaking at the House of the Parliament actually, but the bloody pandemic meant I had to do it via Zoom, so that was a killer. I noticed that nothing much was really being done about it, other than me saying I was an ambassador for them. So I wanted to actually do something, you know. I, there's so many conversations, which is amazing, but loads of conversations about the issues around women in construction and the lack of them, but nobody seems to be coming up with the solution. So. Yeah. I have an idea which I am taking to a round table with the directors of blue chip companies, training bodies and universities and government to try and implement um, a kind of roadmap that has been successful in the oil and gas industry, Um, planned out over the next 10 years to try and get 25% of women onto construction sites. We're currently at 1% and up to 40% of women in construction. And in order to do that, part of the roadmap would be an accreditation, something like um, what you get, like a health and safety accreditation that will wait a tender when you try and win a project um something like that um for equality diversity and inclusion in construction and depending on the accreditation they've got bronze gold or silver it will weight their tender more um so i think it's a softer approach of ensuring that all companies within the construction industry make some changes and try to attract and retain more women in construction so that's my mission i want to change the face of the industry
0: Mm, it sounds brilliant i mean and i totally agree with you i think that There's so much talk about it and there's so many, you know, people getting heads of diversity into the companies, but, you know, we need to see what action is being taken here. Um, And I think it's something that everyone's sort of waiting to see. You know, you
1: can chuck money at something, but at the end of the day, there's got to be results. I think you just, we've got to stop coming up with problems. We know it's a problem, like, as women and, and as men, we know it's a problem. There is not enough diversity and not enough women in construction. So that is the problem. What is the solution? What can I, as an individual, do to solve this problem? Now, because of the platform and my connections, obviously, I can take things to a larger scale I'm trying to get things changed at government level but previous to that individually I can say okay I can do more by going into schools going into primary schools by teaching my niece about it by teaching my nephew about it you know and just look around you and the circumstances that you're in and think what can I do as an individual to help this situation Um, and if everybody starts to make those moves in time you know hopefully it'll change I know there's a massive
0: thing around seeing more women into senior roles within the industry as well. How do you think that we can promote that and encourage more women to go into senior
1: roles? I think it needs to start with um, positive discrimination. And I'll be honest here, I've never been for quarters because I think more for the the person's sake who is ticking that box because there can be a huge backlash. Um, but I think this it is gotta it's gotta stop it. We need to start it somewhere basically. And um the problem that we've got as women in leadership roles across every single industry where there is fewer women than men is that men will say regardless men will say she's got that job because she's a woman so for you to come for instance there'll be be many other industries out there where you can go oh this woman's got great experience in the tech industry at board level I'm going to bring her into our board in construction but she would be seen to have come to that company purely because she's a woman and not the fact of how strong her crossover skills are Mm -hmm. and my point to this is how many men do you have sitting on boards across every single industry who are incapable, who really shouldn't be there, but they've got promoted anywhere. And it's never said that he's got that job because he's a man or right, well, how have you got this job? And and then that man put on a hot seat and having to prove himself to all of his peers and to everybody beneath him and reason why he has got that job. Yet for some reason, it is still completely accepted that women have to do that, meaning that a woman has to be a hundred percent ready to get a job um at a leadership level whereas a man can be 70 percent ready and nobody will ever question it and that is what has got to change and that message needs to be put out to all industries and stop expecting women to explain why they have been given a job if they've been given the job then let them crack on and see how they perform like stop asking us to explain ourselves and where do you think that change has got to come from I think it's got to come from the people who are sitting on the board who make these decisions. They've got to understand that. And yes, do do make the decision. If you have a man and a woman who is equally as qualified, then give the woman the job because there are not enough of them and without the female role models without women seeing that they can progress throughout the industry then it's going to be difficult to attract them and to retrain them you know the old saying you be what you see And um, so we need to be seeing more women in leadership roles and know that we can be sat at a table not as a non-executive director we want the power as well we want the power to influence so women need to be sat there at director levels with the power to influence change within those corporations
0: and since the pandemic, do you think we'll see more support for flexible working, or do you think there's more pressures being
1: put on women to, to perform? No, I think I can only go off my business and the and network and the people who, who I know in business and what they're doing, but definitely companies are open to this now, paying for project rather than paying per hour is definitely something that we're looking into uh, we've always been flexible anyway obviously I'm a woman I've had two children and I know what the struggles are like with kids um but um we're definitely more open minded to people working part time from home, part time in the office. I think people still need to be in the office because you need, you know, you need their culture. You need to know who everybody is and what's going on. Um, and other companies i have spoken to are definitely open um, to speaking about more flexible working. So maybe there can be some positives that have come from the pandemic.
0: So let's move on to your third song choice, which is Rise Up by Andrea Day. Tell us about this one
1: yes i really really love this song i've loved it for years i think it's just super powerful on the days when you're feeling a bit shit when everything's going upside down um you know i've, I've lost my business put, you, and you still just have bad days the pandemic the, the whole scenario um it's just i think it's a really powerful song to to listen to and think right you know what i'm gonna crack on on the merry go round, and you can't find a fighter. But I see it in you, so we're gonna walk it out.
0: Mountains, we're gonna walk it out,
1: and Mountains, and I'll So
0: you're a mum of two. How do you balance working life and family?
1: I don't think there's such a thing as a balance. It's all... um, it's all integrated to be honest, it's all as one. I am um, previous to the pandemic, I wasn't having to work as much, so it, it was a lot easier um, to balance, as people like to say. But since the pandemic, now I, I'm, I'm working around right the clock, so I just make sure I have two hours from five till seven every evening with no phone, no computers, no iPads for the kids, none of that. And we'll just sit around and make tea, or chat, or do homework, read books, have a bath. Um, so that is my my time that is completely dedicated to the boys. Um, But yeah, pretty much everything else at the moment is working. But to be honest with you, I really love my job. So I don't mind when the kids go to bed, getting back on um, my computer and sending the emails or having evening chats with clients or designing some artwork or whatever it might be, because I just genuinely really love doing what I do. And what would you say drives you? Uh, Money, in all honesty. I don't know many people... where that isn't the driving force i want i want to earn more money i've not quite finished paying off my mortgage yet um so i'd love to be free of that within the next um one to two years Uh, i like going on nice holidays i like buying nice shoes i like seeing my kids in nice clothes and being able to take them on day trips and unfortunately for all of the things that i like doing it costs a lot of money (laughs) so i need money to
0: just keep working
1: yeah
0: <laughs> how would you define success
1: for me it's more about the happiness i mean i don't look at somebody who lives in a 10 million pound nurse and think he's more successful than me i mean you're perfect it's like financially yeah you are i guess you've ticked those boxes but you know that the the couple who live there could be miserable um for i feel like myself where i'm at in my life now i'm really successful um I have my own businesses. I don't really answer to anybody. Um, I have a lovely partner, but I don't really answer to him. You know, this is my house. He's got his own house Um, and he doesn't answer to me either. Um, I've got two wonderful, healthy children. I've got an amazing family around me, a great network of women. Um, Things are just going in the right direction. I appreciate everything that I've got. I firmly believe that um, we should all you practice gratitude more often than what we do and um, yes yeah, so I, I feel like right now at this moment in time I'm, I'm really successful I'm healthy and happy and I have enough money to, to feed and clothe everybody so I'm, I'm not sure what more I could need.
0: It's been really lovely speaking with you just one last
1: question in your opinion what would you say as a modern woman? For me it's somebody who doesn't feel the need to answer to anybody else, to please anybody else. Uh, it's a woman who just goes about her own business, minding a business, helping out others if you, if you can, but you know, if you don't want to, then don't like, make sure you look after yourself and your family and be free of any negativity from other people, from your partner, if that's where it's coming from, from family or friends, like just do your own thing. I I think that's what a modern woman is, just completely independent and carefree.
0: Before we finish up, is there anything else that you would love to
1: add, Michaela? Yeah, I, I mean you know I'm super passionate about women in construction so if there are any women that are struggling with anything within their businesses or struggling to get over certain hurdles then do feel free to get in touch with me on um, social media or via email um I'm more than happy to help people where I can and um I think you just need to, if you are ever feeling discriminated against or in a position that you're uncomfortable with, then call it out. Women in -hmm. general aren't confident enough. Like, be confident. You don't have to be awful but but be confident enough to call out when something isn't right and, and something is makes you feel uncomfortable no matter how small that is honestly if my partner says to my son stop crying you sound like a girl I'm like don't refer to him as a girl like well call him a little boy then so just changing people's language as well call it out and that's when we'll see change for the greater good for women across all industries and how can we contact you what are your socials Mikayla yeah, so Michaela Wayne and the number one on Instagram and Twitter, just Michaela Wayne on LinkedIn. I'm most active on LinkedIn, so that's probably the best place to get me. And I'm on a new app called Clubhouse. If any of you have got that, then um feel free to co- I do a women in construction room once a week, Fridays, one until two thirty. So feel free to come in there and yeah, you can have a proper chat.
0: Brilliant. So that was Michaela Wayne, and we're seeing out with your last song, which is Superwoman by Karen White.
1: Good breakfast at your table and make sure that your coffee has its sugar and cream. Your eggs are over easy, you're toast unlikely. All that's missing is your morning kiss that used to greet me. Now you see the juicy sour to be so sweet and I can't help but to wonder if you're talking about me We don't talk the way we used to talk It's hurting so deep I've got my pride I will not cry But it's making me weak i you're This is Modern Woman. Find us at modernwoman.co for further info.